Welcome to the Rays Tales podcast presented by the Tampa Bay Times. Beat writer Mark Topkin will be with you next. And thank you for joining us on the sixth episode of the Rays Tales podcast. I'm Mark Topkin, the longtime beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. And I feel like I say this uh, each time we do this, but it's been an interesting week for the Rays. A uh, couple of tough losses, some uh, late-night bullpen adventures, a controversial call that uh, upset manager Kevin Cash in the Tuesday night game against the Royals, uh, some roster shuffling, a little bit of everything for the Rays um, as they continue to battle to try to get uh, back to and above that 500 mark uh, during a homestand against some of the easier teams uh, on their schedule, or at least as they look right now in playing the Marlins, the Blue Jays, and the Royals. So it's been a little bit of a tough stretch for the Rays. Uh, obviously uh, something they are working on and trying to straighten out as they shuffle pieces, as I said, in the bullpen. We've got an interesting podcast for you lined up this week, touching on a couple of different subjects. We're going to start kind of with the newsier angle and talk first with Rob Metzler, the Rays scouting director, about the upcoming draft. It's June 12th when it starts. The Rays have the number four pick, their highest pick since 2008 when they chose Tim Beckham uh, first overall. So we're going to talk to Rob a little bit about their preparations and, and where they stand. A spoiler alert, he's not going to tell you right now who they're going to pick, but uh, we do talk about the process a little bit. Then we're going to visit with Kansas City Royals pitching coach Dave Island, uh, deeply rooted in the Tampa Bay area. Grew up here, uh, finished his pitching career with the Devil Rays, talking about uh, his time here and also his career. He's got a couple World Series rings he's picked up along the way and a really interesting guy to talk to, a really good conversation with Dave. And then we'll finish up with one of the busiest men in baseball, Danny Farquhar, uh, the Rays' right-handed reliever who's been pitching against some left-handers, kind of as their right-handed lefty specialist, although they've added a little bit of help in Jose Alvarado. And uh, what it's like to be uh, leading the American League in appearances and what life is like in the Rays' bullpen. We are going to start first, uh, as I said, with Rob Metzler. They are about a month out, and we're talking about some of the preparations they've done, how good they feel about their pick, or their uh, research into their pick, and what uh, concerns and anxieties and work there still is to be done. Complete honesty. We're excited. We're anxious. We're preparing. You know, we a lot of preparation has gone into it. You know, I mean, this is, you know, June twelfth will be the culmination of well over, you know, two to three years work on most of the players. You know, some of these players that that have, you know, are coming through the college ranks that we're considering. We've seen them since they were juniors in high school you know the high school players we've been working on for at least two years so it's the culmination of a lot of work on each of those players so it's exciting when you uh it's exciting when it comes to fruition it's it's anxious because hey you try and keep your knobs nerves calm but you don't know what what, when you're picking fourth you don't know what your options are going to be uh it's you know we have we have more certainty what our options are going to be than last year when we picked 13th so it's uh it's that's that's beneficial for us in our preparations, but still, there, there's you know a lot of possibilities. There, there's plenty of baseball left to be played. The high school kids are mostly getting into their playoffs. The the college kids have two regular season weekends left, and, and uh, followed by conference tournaments, regionals, all take place before we pick. Uh, junior college kids, for the most part, the big Florida tournament was last weekend, and around the country, the junior college kids are mostly winding down. So we will. Uh, We'll spend a lot of time over the next month, you know, merging all those lists of all our staff around the country. We'll spend a lot of time, you know, layering on, you know, 
performance and analytics. We have a robust group in the office who, who are very, very helpful in our process, and uh, you know we'll, we'll put that all together and try and come up with the best board we can. And, and you touched on this, but how different is it picking four? I mean, you haven't picked this high since 2008, yeah. and Tim Beckham was the number one overall pick, and you, you do have, as you say, not total certainty, as you do with the number yeah. one pick, but you, you know, in theory, could have a top five, and you're yeah. going to get your guy. So how is that different? I think coming. I think in the actual draft week, you know, when we're you know, during that actual week, I think it will be. I don't know if there'll be any less stress, but having the certainty of like, hey, you know, there are only so many guys that we are actually, you know, in the final mix. Uh, I think that'll be helpful. You know, it would be nice to have that higher level of certainty. Uh, at this stage, we, we've done everything we can to try not to jump to conclusions try not to say like okay these are you know these are our four guys that we're trying to decide between because I think we're much more likely to make a mistake where we pull off of a guy and say a guy's not a candidate too early as opposed to staying open-minded staying you know keeping our guys out there evaluating keep you know keeping looking at you know, the players from all perspectives and then dialing it back at the end to say okay these are the guys we think are the best bets that's interesting when when do you try to lock in on that like again I'll just say top five even though it's a top yeah. four but when you try to wait until the week before the, the, the day before I, mean, <laughs> I don't think it'll be the day before but, I mean, but whether it's the week before or two weeks before uh, you know I don't think we have a firm deadline right? Right. I don't think it'll be the day before right but, it, but I you know I, I think we're starting to starting that process of starting to to narrow things down uh, you know in terms of final preparation you know we've done a ton of background work on, sure. on this talent group already but you know as an organization the guys that were you know, strongly considered we're going to spend a lot of face-to-face -face time with them too and you can't you can't do that with a group of 20 right right so, right. so you know we will have to to narrow that down our next guest is uh, one of the people i enjoy most talking to around baseball kansas city royals pitching coach dave island Dave's a local Tampa Bay guy, grew up in Pasco County, pride of Zephyr Hills High, played at USF, played at Florida, finished up his pitching career with the then Tampa Bay Devil Rays, went into coaching, worked his way up, became the pitching coach of the Yankees, won a World Series there, ended up coming home, worked for the Rays for a year as a special assistant, got hired by the Royals, won a World Series as the pitching coach there. We sat uh, and talked for quite a while at Tropicana Field the other day. Here's part of that conversation, starting with Dave's memories of pitching for his hometown team. Well, it was an exciting time here, obviously, in the Tampa Bay area. You know, this, this franchise was just getting started. Uh, there was a lot of interest, a lot of excitement, um, and it was it was a long time coming for for the people that 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 have lived here and, and longed for a major league baseball team. You know, I grew up here, and I remember going to you know Cincinnati Reds spring training games at Old Al Lopez Field, and coming over and seeing the Cardinals on on, on this side of the bay and. And, and the Phillies, so um, you know it, it was an exciting time, and, it, and and I was happy to be a part of it. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have a whole lot of success, but I mean, what what franchises do in, in their infancy years? So, um, but it was it was a very memorable memorable time. Um, you know, had, had a lot of good teammates, uh, and you know, like I said, a lot of good memories. You know, obviously, you look at your numbers. You were in the major leagues for part of ten seasons, and, and I think what impressed me watching you was you were a guy who gave everything you had every time you went out there, and 
obviously didn't pile up huge numbers, but you kind of, how do you look back on your career? What was your, you know, in, in your self-analysis mode as a pitching coach now, but, you know, how would you look back on your career? Well, I mean, like you said, I, I didn't leave anything out there. You know, I gave it all I had. I, gave it all I, had. I wasn't the most um, uh, blessed pitcher that ever took a major league mound. You know, I, I had a below average fastball, but I could throw strikes. You know, I had a pretty good breaking ball, and and I had a pretty good idea of what I was doing out there. Just unfortunately, my stuff was a little short a lot of the times. But um, going through the struggles that I went through and, and, and the ups and downs uh, made, me, made me better at what I'm doing now. Um, you know, I really had to study, study hitters. I had to learn how to read swings. I had to study myself, my delivery, and things like that. And those are all things that, that, that I draw upon now as a pitching coach. So, um, but I have no regrets. You know, I never took one pitch off when I was out there. You know, I, I competed to the, be the best I could. And um, at the end of the day, that's all you really can, really can do. Did, did you have any doubt that you would eventually want to get into coaching? I mean, you seem such a natural for the job. You obviously have had so much success as a pitching coach. Was, was there any doubt that was where you were headed? Well, you know, when, when you're playing, you really don't think about what lies ahead. You're, you're, you're worried about what can I do today to survive, <laughs> number one, and, and to be the best you can be. Um, and as my you know, and when you're a young player, you think you know this is going to last forever. When it's over, I'll be I'll figure, I'll figure it out. But we don't think that much about it. But Towards the latter part of my career, I started thinking about it, and you know, this is what I know. This is the game I know. I've been playing it since as far back as I can remember, and, and my whole life. So this is what I know. And like I said, I always had to study the game, so I knew the game, or, or, or thought I did. But nobody ever has it mastered or totally figured out. But as it got, uh, you know, the years piled up as a player. You know, I knew I wanted to stay in the game, and and as I got older, I, I found myself breaking down. Uh, my own teammates, pitchers and hitters and opposing players, so I knew I wanted to stay in it, but exactly what I wanted to do I wasn't sure, but um, the lure to stay on the field uh, is ultimately what, what, what drew me to where I am now. And you worked your way up through the Yankee system as a coach, I think at every level, if I remember correctly, and mm -hmm. You know, what was the satisfaction of, of getting that big league job? It, I'm maybe not quite as much as making it as a player, but it, there had to be a reward there for all the hard work you put in coaching through the minor leagues. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate. I got there pretty quick. You know, I spent five years in the minor leagues and, and you know, two in rookie ball, uh, two in double A and one in triple A, and boom, then I was there. So I was very fortunate. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the Yankees to give me that opportunity. Um, you know, but uh, I, I think just... You know, being true to yourself, um, you know, giving your best every day when you show up, uh, not cheating yourself or the organization you're working for, and that's what I'm most proud of. But, uh, you know, this is my sixth year now here in Kansas City, and I've, I've never been happier in my career as a player or a coach. Uh, I work for uh, really, really good baseball people, but more importantly, I, I work for really, really good human beings. Um, uh, all the way around, you know, uh, the people in the front office, Dayton Moore and his staff, Ned, my fellow coaches, the players. I mean, this is, I don't know how a situation can be any better than, than the way it is here in Kansas City. But, you know, nothing is forever. But, uh, again, just like I did as a player, I focus on today. You've got two beautiful children. I'd never ask you to pick between them. You've also got two shiny World Series rings. Is one any more meaningful or more sparkly to you than the other? Well, you know, I, when you're with the Yankees, it was kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's the big market, you know. They have all the resources, the money, and and they're expected to win. They've won, what, 27 World Championships, but they've only won one in the last 17 years. And I just happen to be the pitching coach when my, 
on, on that one they've won the last 17 years in 09. So that was special. But um, and, and they're all special. I mean, you don't. I mean, you don't sneeze at any world championship. But I, but the one that we won here, from where this organization came from, being a small market team with limited resources. You know, I got here my first year in 2012. We lost what 91 or 92 games. We we steadily got better and better and better. And then not only did we win a world championship in 15, we went to the, we went to the World Series in 14. But uh, you know, I, I don't want to uh, you know slight e either one of those two rings. But I. You know, I, you know, I'd have to give the the, the Kansas City Rams a little bit of an edge because of of how we did it. You know, how we did it. You know, we shocked the world, we surprised people, and and nobody gave us a chance, and and we did it. And you know me, Mark. I mean, I've always been the underdog, so to win it as an underdog is pretty special. Now that makes a lot of sense. And, and just the last thing on your coaching career, Dave, what, what motivates you on a daily basis? I mean, you've worked with so many pitchers. You've worked with pitchers that are great pitchers. You've worked with pitchers that, that didn't necessarily have all the talent and, and got a lot out of them. What, what's the challenge on a daily basis? You've done this for a long time now. Well, I mean, the ultimate challenge is to win. You know, and when you've been to the World Series, you've been to the postseason, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to be to three World Series and won two of them. And once you get a taste of that, I mean, it's – you know, it's like a, a shark that tastes blood. You know, you, you just want more and more and more. But I still love to compete. I, you know, I love the games. But besides all that, it, it's working with each individual pitcher on a daily basis, trying to help them get better, helping them make adjustments, and then watching them go out into the games and put into play what we've worked on and seeing the gratification on their face. Uh, and that's gratification, gratification for me. You know, like you said earlier, I have... I have two daughters. I wasn't I wasn't blessed with a son, but you know I got at any point I've either got 12 or 13 pitchers on my staff, and then you know I, I look at them as all my sons. So just watch them compete and succeed, and, and being there with them when they do it, I think is what what, what drives me every day, along with along with um, you know the passion and the desire to win. And you you spent one year with the Rays here uh, as kind of a special assistant. And what did that teach you or, or help you learn from maybe seeing it from a little different side? I know you did some special assignment work with Chris Archer specifically and mm -hmm. some of their other guys. But, but did that help you too get a little different view of things? Oh yeah, I mean, it, you know, I was seeing the game from a totally different view. I wasn't seeing it from the dugout. You know, I was seeing it from the stands or the or the box upstairs or, or and, and uh, you know, I got to I got to first-hand experience of feel and 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 experience the interactions of a front office and um, it gave me a little bit different perspective uh, up there so I think anytime you can get out of your comfort zone and experience something in the industry you're in is always going to help you so that was that was a valuable year uh, I learned a lot working for Andrew and and then you know in, in the scouting area you know, scouting amateur players as, as well as as well as professional players and, and going down to the lower minor leagues and seeing guys and working with them and so um, I mean it was I mean it it made me better as a pitching coach in my second tour as a pitching coach. Cool. Well thank you very much for your time. We're here with Dave Island, the longtime Tampa Bay area resident and current pitching coach for the Kansas City Royals. Our next guest is Rays reliever Danny Farquhar who's been one of the busiest men in baseball. Through the Rays' first 35 games, he's appeared in 18, yes, more than half, and leads the American League in appearances to this point. Here's Danny Farquhar on what it's like to be such a busy guy and life in the Rays' bullpen. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a reliever, you got to be prepared to be in the game, but I can almost take it to an extra level where when the phone rings, um, I can visualize our bullpen coach, Stan, saying, Farquhar get going 
and uh, it's almost a shock on the days that he doesn't say my name. So, so yeah, it's they've taken it to a new level and um, getting those extra appearances. Now, has he ever mixed it up on you and said something different to get you going, like Danny get ready or something instead, or is he pretty much in his routine? I would say if Stan was to call me Danny, I would probably not know who he's talking about. <coughs> so um, he hasn't mixed it up on me. It would really throw me for a loop um, if he mixed it up. Yeah, Stan seems like a guy of pretty much regimented routine, huh? Yeah, yeah, very, very routine. You know, we have our handshakes and... Um, same goes on every day. He gives me the paperwork on the scouting reports, on the reports on how the minor league players are doing, and gives us trivia every day, and very routine. It's, uh, it's great because we know what we're getting. I, I guess maybe depending on to what degree you had a number of appearances, it could become an issue later in the season, but is it kind of a cool thing to be among the league leaders in appearances, at least at this point? Yeah, I mean, unless unless you're among the lead leaguers in like homers or walks, um, or one of the bad categories, if you're a league leader in anything, um, it's pretty cool. Um, but as far as um, you know, taking a toll, maybe down the road, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, that'll be to be determined. But as far as it, right now, you're happy to work whenever they need you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's early May. So everybody should be feeling pretty good. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's a process taking care of yourself throughout the season, continuing to work out, continuing to do your running. And um, I love contrasting, which is the hot tub, cold tub. Uh, that makes my body feel pretty good. So I think continuing to, to get your body right every day should be fine. And you asked me something earlier in the year, and I, I failed you because I wasn't able to get you an answer, but you asked me if you were the first right-handed lefty specialist in baseball history. What, uh, if you started like wearing a, the glove on the other hand just for fun or anything, or have you adapted to this very unique role? No, we actually have a lefty now. Um, we got to get him in those left-left situations. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't know if yesterday was coincidence or not, but there was lefty, lefty, lefty. Um, I don't know if they've gotten away from that role or not. We'll see. But I think I've adopted it a little bit. I actually don't care who's up at the plate. Just execute my pitches. And most of the time, if I execute my pitches, uh, the results should be good for me. Now, be honest. Have you ever tried to throw left-handed just for fun? All the time. Uh, you know, messing around in the outfield, off-season, throwing the football. Um, it's not very pretty. It's not you, Darvish. or I've heard David Robertson can fire it left-handed. Um, I'd love to see those guys throw a bullpen lefty. That'd be pretty cool. So you're not going to be the next Pat Venditti? No, no Pat Venditti or Billy Wagner, nothing. No chance for that. What, uh, what's what been the bullpen mix? We always hear, you know, sometimes bullpens, there's a lot of funny guys down there. Sometimes there's a lot of serious guys. Sometimes there's a lot of conversation. How would you describe this current group down there? Very conversational, whether it has to do with baseball, you know, life. Um, we're always chit-chatting. Um, no, real positive group. Um, I think the guy with the most service time down there is Erasmo. Um, so we don't, we're don't. we missing that veteran Tommy in there. Um, but but it's a good group where we can have some good conversations. And how's your Spanish? Because you got a couple of the Hispanic pitchers down there. Yeah, my Spanish is phenomenal. I'm fluent in both languages, English and Spanish. And uh, I'm like the mix. I'm like in the middle. 
talk to the Latinos and I also talk to the Americans. And uh, yeah, my Spanish is great. All right, so just a last question for you. You've had a couple of different rookies being the lowest guy on the totem pole in charge this year. Who's done the best job of bringing the food bag and has had the best treats in there? Austin Pruitt is by far the best. My favorite is when we were in Baltimore and Austin Pruitt was telling who the Taiwanese player that we had for a little bit how to do the bag and how to and what to do and what to put in it and it was funny that a guy with 22 days of service time was was demanding how to do the bag and what to put in it and I I, uh, I gave him a hard time about that um, just because usually you don't have two rookies like that in in one bullpen and we just so happened to at the same time How's Alvarado been since he's had it for the last few days? He's been good. Uh, bag makes it out there. Weighted balls make it out there. And uh, he's been great. Cool. So when we look up at the end of the year, how many appearances do you think you'll have, Danny? Uh, my guess for appearances is going to be 65. All right. I'm going to take the over. We'll compare the notes in September on that. And that's our podcast for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. We'd like to thank our guest, Rob Metzler, the race scouting director, Dave Island, the Kansas City Royals pitching coach, and Danny Farquhar, the Rays' right-handed lefty reliever. We'll try to do better next time. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, uh, drop me an email at mtopkin at tampabay.com. Once again, thanks for your time, and thank you for joining us. It's done! It's done! It's done! Thanks for listening to the Tampa Bay Times Raised Tales podcast with beat writer Mark Topkin. He'll be back with more next week. Until then, check the Heater blog on tampabay.com for Rays updates.